what it's like to be a parent. I know a lot of you know that, where it's just like, wow, we do anything for this kid. And uh, one of my favorite things as a dad is, I like, the first gift that I got him for Christmas this year was uh, this this shirt that said Daddy's Little Helper and this little tool bench that it has like a plastic, like, uh, hammer on, and, and, and he doesn't really hit the thing with the hammer. He, like, hits himself with it, you know? <laughs> He's like, eh! <laughs> but it's like, a little, it's like a little workbench. And it was like, you know, always one of my dreams that uh, when I was a kid growing up, I remember just wanting to, wanting to help my dad, you know, just wanting to work with him. I remember, you remember, like, throwing, throwing a coin into, into a fountain and just making a wish whenever you were a kid. You remember that? My wish was always... I wish I will someday work with my dad. That that wish never really came true, and I'm kind of glad of that, you know, <laughs> not looking back. But I just wanted to be daddy's helper, if that made sense, you know. Um, and I remember one time, my dad. I remember I was about six years old, and I went to uh, I went to talk with my dad, and I just basically said, Dad, I'm ready. I'm ready to work around the house. I'm ready to help you, you know. And my dad was a mechanic for 25 years. He was in auto body. Um, he was in auto body for, for 25 years as well. He painted cars for 25 years. He was an artist. So if you've ever gone to car shows around the area, you've probably seen a couple cars, that my, especially in the Beaver County area, you've probably seen five or six cars that my dad painted, just award-winning cars and everything. He's really, really good at what he did. And I wanted to learn that trade, and I wanted to do everything I could to help him with cars. And uh, I wanted to be a motorhead just like my dad, you know. Uh, and so I went up to him when, he, when, we were, when I was six and said, Dad, I'm ready to get dirty. I'm ready to help you. I'm ready to, I'm ready to do this. And he said, you're, uh, you're not going to go play your TV games? I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to help. I'm ready to help around the house. You know, I'm ready to, ready to help you in the garage, ready to get dirty. And he said, okay, come on. So we go in the garage, <clears throat> and he has, he has the, uh, the hood open to one of our cars, and and he's working underneath. I, I don't even remember what he was doing. You know, I'm six years old. I don't even I don't know I don't know what all this stuff is underneath the hood. He's like, stand on this crate, and so I stood there. He's like, hold this flashlight, okay? I held it, and he's like, no, <clears throat> now point it right here, and I'm like, okay? And I'm pointing, and I'm realizing, hmm, this isn't exactly what I was, <laughs> you know, what I was hoping for. <laughs> oh man, this is kind of boring, and start drifting and start drifting like oh, I'm bored and I start like doing one of these things my dad goes Zach and I'm like oh got ya got ya I'm ready <laughs> start drifting again like this is not what I had in mind I'm so bored I'm six years old I don't want to hold a flashlight come on he's like point it back I got it got it I'm pointing it back then I, I did that so many times that my dad had just realized like you know what it's taken me a lot of time and effort for you to help me. So what he what he did, he tricked me. He goes, here, I've got this two-by-four over here. I'm going to give you three hammers and a nail. What I need you to do is I need you to nail these nails into this two-by-four, okay? I need you to nail them, okay? And, and then when you're done, take them out, turn it over, and put them in the other side. I need holes in that two-by-four. So I'm there pounding away, thinking I'm helping my dad. He tricked me, you know? <laughs> Man, when it comes to when it comes to this idea of of helping God, I think we all kind of feel inadequate at times. When it comes to this idea of doing something for God, or when it comes to even uh, being in God's presence, a lot of times these feelings of inadequacy come up in all of us, where it's just like, man, I know how huge God is and how little I am, and a lot of us struggle with that. That we see ourselves, we think that God sees us the way that we see ourselves. A lot of times, does that make sense? So if I could if I could title this at all today, man, I want I want I want and, and, and give you uh, just walking away with something to, to chew on and walking away with something. 
it said, man, uh, we're going to title this helper. And we're, we're going we're gonna to walk away with the understanding that, that God is in us. And man, he is, is equipping us. And where the grace of God is, where the Holy Spirit is at work, the grace of God is unstoppable. It's unstoppable, okay? So if we come in line with what the Holy Spirit is doing, man, our lives are going to gonna be awesome. Seriously, unbelievable. It's just like that, that love that I have for my little boy where I'd do anything for him. You know, Lauren and I are praying for him uh, the other night. And Lauren just said, wow, we're praying for him about this. God just dealt this with my heart. Like, God wants that more than we do. He wants that for him more than we do. And that's so humbling, you know. That's so, that's so huge to know that, you know. And that's the way God sees us. We, you know, a lot of us are, are, are on, a, on a journey for the purpose of our lives. A lot of us are on a journey for, you know, just wanting to do something big for God. A lot of us are on a journey in our individual lives where it's believing God for our, you know, our loved ones, for our, our brothers, our sisters, our fathers, our mothers, our sons, our daughters, and, you know, even, even, even cousins or whatever. You know, but God wants this for them more than we do. He wants this, this life of just, man, just complete openness with God more than we do. And what I want to do today is just open up to John chapter 16, and we're going we're gonna to go in, we're going to talk about what I would call the position focus sheet of the Holy Spirit, what, what Jesus said the Holy Spirit was meant to do, why the Holy Spirit exists, why, you know, what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Um, and, and to set this up, what I have to point back to is John chapter 13, verse 1. We're not going to open there real quick, but we're going to start reading in John chapter 16 and verse 7. But John chapter 13 and verse 1 says that Jesus knew that his hour had come. In this scripture, in John chapter 16 and verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Jesus knew that he was going to leave. Jesus knew that his time was coming, that his time on this earth was coming to an end. He understood that. And guys, to be honest with you, being 26 years old, it's, it's hard to relate with that, to know that my time is coming to an end. It's hard to, to realize that I am mortal, you know? And Pastor John always tells me, Zach, there's going to be a day where you look in the mirror and you realize I'm dying. <laughs> he always says that to me. I just don't get that right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet, you know? So, you know, I, I, I really do, I, I've tried to pull back as much as I can, you know, <laughs> being 26 and realize, realize that, you know, Man, my days here are, are numbered. I try to pull back as much as I can. At this point, you know, Jesus is 33 years old, not much older than I am. But he, at this point, he realizes he's about to give his life up. He's about to, to, to give everything up and, and to leave this earth. And so he's talking with his apostles and he's telling them it's to your advantage. I don't understand that, to be honest with you. To me, 12 guys in a room, Jesus talking to these guys and saying, it's to your advantage that I leave you. Can you imagine the, the, the things that were going through their mind? How, how is it to your advantage? How, how is it to my advantage that you're going to leave us? I just don't understand this, Jesus. How is it to my advantage that you're going to leave? See, we have an access to talk with you at all times. We can ask you any question we want. And, and you're saying that when you leave, we're going to lose that access. Can you imagine the balance that these guys had had? And when Jesus is telling them this, Getting back to the mortality type of thing that I don't really understand yet, you know, I, I would, I would, I would imagine that when when I know my time is coming, I'm going to share what's most important to my family. That everything that's just on the side, it just kind of falls by the wayside. And you, you kind of see here in John chapter 13 to the end of John that Jesus only performs one miracle. 
He only performs one miracle, and that was the healing of Malchus' ear. I think that's very interesting. Jesus began to focus intensely on two things, on two subjects, in, in, from John chapter 13 to the end of John. That one miracle was performed. Jesus didn't talk about much. He, pr- he, prayed for, he prayed for believers. He prayed for the apostles. But the two things that he taught intensely about were love in the life of the believer and the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Those are the two things that he talked about. He left these guys and he said, it's to your advantage I go away, for if I don't go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. So what he's saying is it's actually better that the Holy Spirit be be with us, be in us, than Jesus actually be here right now. I can't can't fathom that, honestly. I'm I'm trying to get my heart around this. And, And you know what the truth is? When Jesus said it, it's true, I'm going to take it, I'm going to take it you know? And, and, and what I want to ask us, uh, is the Holy Spirit active in our lives? Is the Holy Spirit active in our lives? We're going to examine some of those things. But Jesus began to focus intensely on what was the most important things in life. And the two things, the two, the two things are love in the life of the believer and the Holy Spirit being active in the life of the believer. So he said, it's to your advantage that I go away. And he begins, to, he begins to just continue talking with them. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. What I think is funny here is that you'll see in the scripture, in, in, in all of this dialogue, that Jesus kept on saying he, he, he. I think it was 12 times Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as he. The Holy Spirit isn't an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. The Holy Spirit is a person. So if I go, I will send him to you, this person of the Holy Spirit. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we don't don't say the word it. We say the word he because he's an actual person. That means we can have a relationship with him. It says the helper will not come. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he begins to say this is the purpose of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. He He begins to unpack this. He said, and when he comes... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So you can circle, you can circle, convict, circle that word convict. Actually, convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And if we stop there, it sounds pretty okay. We can we can feed into some doctrine here that just isn't true. We've got to read the rest of the scripture concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Can I submit something to you real quick? The only sin that the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world of is the sin of, not, of unbelief in Jesus. You know that when we mess up, it's not, it's not the Holy Spirit that convicts us. You realize that? It's our own consciences. And our own conscience is like a five-pointed star. The, the, the more and more that spins, the more dull we become to it. So the trick is, don't get it spinning. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? You following me? Jesus said that this ministry of the Holy Spirit is a positive one. The only thing that he's going to convict the world of is sin of unbelief. So let me ask you something real quick. I can't be, you know, with 20-somethings, I can, I can be a little bit more bold, but um, I, I, just, I just respect you guys a lot, so I don't, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. But if Jesus said it was, it was the Holy Spirit's job to convict the world of, uh, of unbelief, it's not our job. Okay? If I can be bold, there, it, it, it really, honestly, breaks my heart 
when, when I see signs of people saying, holding up, a, a, picketing, saying, God hates fags. No, he doesn't. Oh, my goodness. How far away from the heart of God can we be if we think that? Do you think that a sin can really hold us back from the grace of God? Man, when, when people pick it, military, because military funerals, when they pick at that, God hates, that is, that is so untrue. Do you understand how, how unbelievably disheartening that is? It's just not true. The Holy Spirit, it, he's, he's an encourager, not a critic. You know, he's an encourager, not a critic. He's a helper, not a hindrance. This Holy Spirit comes in and convicts the world of, of one thing, unbelief in Jesus. So man, let's 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 take this into let's take this into practicality right now. And you have somebody that's not living for God. Let's get in line with the Holy Spirit, knowing that the Holy Spirit really is convicting them of unbelief in Jesus. He really is doing that right now. You don't have to convict them of anything. You don't have to say, you're full of sin and you're going, don't, don't do that. They know that, okay? They know that. Understand the Holy Spirit is working there and he's convicting them of unbelief in Jesus. He's convicting them of unbelief in Jesus. And so, man, when it comes to witnessing, when it comes to understanding that the Holy Spirit is already, he's already working. He's already working there. So, he begins to go on concerning sin because they do not believe in me. In verse 10, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Verse 11, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Let's look at verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Would you, now, what I do in my Bible is I put, I put brackets around certain things that I need to remember. Um, would you please underline that? You cannot bear them now or... You know, maybe put a, put a bracket or, or, or a highlight or something. You cannot bear them now. Understand this, that Jesus is talking in the context of this. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And there are some things that, that some people just can't handle when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And he knew that. He, 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 he knew where his apostles were at this time. He knew where the disciples were at this time. He said, I, I, there's so much I have to tell you on, on the subject of the Holy Spirit. This is the context of this. You just can't bear them right now. You can't handle all of this right now. So I'm going to only give you a little bit of this. I'm only going to give you just a portion of what the... And what that tells me is there's so much more about the Holy Spirit that, that isn't written here that we can look further down in the book of Acts. And, and we will examine some of the scriptures. But the big takeaway from this scripture right here in my life is that there are just some things that some people just can't handle right now. And we've all known, we've all known people that... Um, and I had a really good friend that, uh, if I can be just honest with you, we were... We were so close. I mean, we played in a band together. We, we played together for seven years. And uh, this guy, man, just loved God, loved the Word, but just got off on the deep end. And, and the only thing he's talking about is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit to people that don't even know Christ. And now it, it's gone so much further. And I remember just sitting with him and, uh, and just saying, hey, you know, I appreciate your zealousness for God and your zealousness for God in these areas. But I'm seeing you go to people that don't even know the foundational doctrines of Christ, the foundational principles of the doctrines of Christ. Listen, Hebrews. I see you going to them and just jamming the Holy Spirit. Do you, you, you understand that you're scaring them right now? Do you know why you're scaring them? Just because they can't handle it. They can't handle this right now. 
Jesus did the same thing. He said, there's certain things that I know that you can't handle. I'm going to tell you this eventually because he doesn't withhold anything from us. I'm going to tell you this, but I've got to know where everybody is along with this. So in verse 13, what I love about this is this is the, this is the position focus sheet of the Holy Spirit. This is, every, this is not everything that the Holy Spirit does, but this is the main, the main focus of the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. So there are going to be certain things, and you can write these down next to them, or you can circle them and, 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 and try to highlight them. But in verse 13, this is Jesus' promise to us. He said, when the Spirit of truth comes, look at this, underline this, he will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you into all the truth. And that is a promise that we can stand on, right? The Bible says in 1 John that we have an anointing from the Holy One and we know all things. We don't need anyone to teach you. And that's not, ta- that's not talking about not needing to go to church. That's not talking about not needing a, a teacher altogether. But this is saying that we can get direct revelation from God. That the Holy Spirit is, is, is sent to lead us into all truth. Guys, I, I'm in a point in my life, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I don't even know what I don't know at this time where I am asking so many questions that I almost feel stupid sometimes. I just met with Mr. Mr. Ken Watts uh, the other day and just, Ken, can you please just give me some life wisdom? I'm just on this quest for life wisdom, you know? Man, and God has been teaching me that I don't, I don't need secondhand revelation of him. I don't need to, to bank my relationship with God off of everybody else's relationship with God. Now, there's a part of that where, man, the Bible talks about in Hebrews, when a, a great scripture when it comes to mentors is, it, is this idea, Hebrews chapter, let me see if I can remember it. It, it just said to remember those who have spoken the word of God to you, um, to consider the outcome of their faith and, and, and imitate their faith. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. And so when it comes to it, I, I look at people like Ken Watts, look at people like Pastor Chris, like Pastor Craig, like Pastor John, Pastor Steve. Pastor Matt Gates, I look at those guys, I consider the outcome of their life, I see where they are in life, and, and I want to do anything I can to imitate their faith, because I respect those guys so much. The Holy Spirit says that, you know, there's a, there's a balance there, but come on, we don't need to settle, settle for secondhand revelation, that we can open up this, the, the Word of God, we can open this up, and we can actually get revelation for ourselves. That we can read it. Do you ever read the Bible and it's just like, I just don't understand this right now. Man, I think we all have. When you don't understand it, Ephesians prayers are awesome. But going back to this and just understanding, God, you're going to guide me into all truth. Look, for he will not speak on his own authority. but Whatever he hears, he will speak. Whatever the Holy Spirit hears, he's going to speak. So the Holy Spirit speaks, right? We've got to learn how to listen. We've got to learn how to hear. We've got to learn how to position ourselves to hear from God at times of worship, times of prayer, like in, 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 in prayer that we had this morning. Those times are so important because we're just positioning ourselves to hear from the Holy Spirit. This isn't a one-way dialogue. This is a two-way thing where we talk to God and God talks to us through the Holy Spirit. He deals with our hearts as well. This is a two-way thing. So if he talks, I've got to learn how to listen. He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And look at this. He will declare to you the things that are to come. Remember one time I was driving to, uh, I was actually driving to surf here, and I was, I was going to Geneva at the time, Geneva College. 
and I was in, uh, I told you my dad was was a mechanic. My dad and I uh, had fixed up a 1985 Firebird. You guys remember Knight Rider? The, the David Hasselhoff version of Knight Rider? That was the car that I had. I was so excited about it. I loved it. And, you know, uh, I don't know if you, I had a huge mullet in the back driving it all the time. You know, no, I'm just kidding. Pass it. No. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, we're, I'm, I'm driving it and, uh, and I just remember, driving up a hill and I'm just like I'm, I'm I'm just talking to God and just saying God you know at that point in my life it's just to open up a little bit and give you even more context that point in my life I had just I had just dedicated my life to God just rededicated my life to God when I was 13 uh, Scott Fletcher if you guys know Scott Fletcher came to youth group and uh, here at, at Victory in the old building and uh, my uncle had taken me and I gave my heart to the Lord that night. I was filled with the Holy Spirit and knew that I was called to ministry. It was like all in the same moment. It was it was awesome, just an awesome. But the way that things happened, I wasn't allowed to come back to church because we were raised Catholic. And my mom said, no, you can't go to that church. That's a little bit off the deep end for me. I don't, I don't know about that, you know. So uh, as I began to tell her, as I began to talk to her about, about some, some things that I'd been learning, because I started cracking the Bible open for myself at that point, she began to talk to me about things that, no, this is what we believe. This is what we believe. My heart was turning, and her heart was turning. So my mom came to God, and then I walked away from God at the same time because we were both prideful, <laughs> you know. We were both full of pride at that time. And, uh, man, when I got to college, I was at Geneva College, and, and, and I remember I didn't even know Geneva was a Christian school, okay. And if you've ever walked on Geneva's campus, it's like, how did you miss that? There's The Bible is the logo of Geneva College. <laughs> like, they have, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the slogan is a scripture. Like, how did you miss that this is a Christian school? Like, I, I don't know. They ask me questions of faith and, and all that stuff. I'm like, I wonder why they're asking me that, you know. I just didn't know. It was like God hid that from me. Because if I knew that it was a Christian school at that point in my life, I would not have gone there. I had an opportunity to play football at, at at Pitt University, and I had a scholarship at Geneva, and, and I just wanted to be a pilot as, as a backup. Geneva had a flight program, and that's why I chose Geneva. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, if I had known that it was a Christian school, I would not have gone there. But while I was in a football meeting, man, the Holy Spirit began to deal with my heart of just my, my, my football coach, believe it or not, was, was preaching a message. He opens up his Bible, and I'm like, is this a Christian school or something? How stupid is this? It's a football meeting. We're talking about God? You know, I don't understand this. And... And, and God began to deal with my heart and convict me of the sin of unbelief in Jesus. You know, just began to say, listen, I know you. I, I know. I know that at one point you believed. I need you to get back to that because I've got a purpose for your life. And it goes far beyond girls and it goes far beyond getting all that stuff I was getting into. It goes far beyond that. The bed spinning at night, coming home every night and the bed spinning and just that feeling of there's got to be more to life than this. God said there is. There really is more to life than this. There really is. And so I recently dedicated my life to God. And it was a couple, you know, a couple months later I began to serve here again. I didn't even think that I was worthy to serve, you know. But Pastor Larry just said dad to me, man. He said, I don't care what's going on in your life. I just see that you want to change. And, and I want to help you with that. And, man, I had so much brokenness. And that man walked me through so much, so much when I was that age. And I'll never forget that. And, uh. So I'm, I'm, I'm on my way to serve at youth group and, I don't know, just set up chairs, you know, just something like that. Didn't, didn't do anything crazy at that time. And uh, I just remember praying to God, like, 
God, thank you for taking me back. You know, I was like, I, I know that you'll, I, I'll do anything for you. I, I just want to, I just want to please you. I just want to live for you the rest of my life. I want to do anything. And I remember this. Holy Spirit popped up in my heart as it's just a, just fresh. I didn't even know what this was, but I just remember saying, if you love me, then you'll slow down. I'm like driving along. I'm like, okay, that sounds dumb, but nobody's around. Okay, nobody's in the car. I'll just, I'll slow down, you know, give it a shot. <laughs> you know, one of those things. And I was like, I go back, God, I'll do anything. And, he, and, and I felt, if you love me, then you'll slow down even more. <laughs> like, okie dokie. So I'm going like, seriously, I'm going 10 miles an hour on a 45 mile an hour back road, okay? And cars are behind me now. They're, they're all catching up. And they're like, and I'm like, okay, God, I'm looking like an idiot here. But I'm just going to keep on going, you know? And when you know, as soon as I got over the crest of the hill, it was a back, somebody pulled out in front of me, and I stopped just, just in the nick of time. Just in the nick of time did it. God protected me. He saved me from that. He, he showed me something that was to come. Not in the way that, hey, there's going to be a car, but listen, I've got, I'm going to show you. The Holy Spirit rose up. And Jesus is saying that, that, is, that that's something that we can hold on to, that everybody has right to once you're in the kingdom of God. And now, what I have to differentiate here is that there is the work of the Holy Spirit upon a believer, and there's a Holy Spirit, work of the Holy Spirit within the life of the believer. We're talking about within the life of the believer. Within the life of the believer, it's for us. Upon us, it's for other people. So, when Jesus talked about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when he talked about the Holy Spirit falling on the day of Pentecost, it was for other people. It was so that they could be a witness. But what Jesus is talking about, this is a personal relationship with God that's happening. So, he says, I will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority. Whatever he spe- hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are, are to come. Look at this in verse 14. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, Underline this, he will glorify me. The Holy Spirit will always, 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 always bring glory to Jesus. The Holy Spirit will always bring, bring glory to Jesus. Always. The Holy Spirit in our life will always, always bring glory to Jesus. And where the Holy Spirit is active, the grace of God is unstoppable. And it's unstoppable because God is going to get some glory out of this. So when the Holy Spirit's working in our lives... Come on, God's going to get some glory here. He will glorify me and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Then Jesus puts a caveat at the end of this. He said, everything that God has is mine. So you know what that, that means? The Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is going to declare to me the things that are mine, the things that are Jesus. He's going to declare, he's going to show me, he's not going to withhold anything about God as I pursue him. Man, he's not. So I read this interesting quote from... uh, an author that, that I really respect. He said this, even our church growth can happen without him, meaning the Holy Spirit. Let's be honest, if you combine a charismatic speaker, a talented worship band, and some hip creative events, people will attend your church. Yet this does not mean that the Holy Spirit of God is actively working and moving in the lives of the people that are coming. So what I have been asking myself is, man, I know what the Holy Spirit now, in this journey, I know what the Holy Spirit is called to do. But is the Holy Spirit operant in my life? Because I know if the Holy Spirit isn't operant in my life, then my kid, if, if, if the Holy Spirit, if I can put it this way, if, if the Holy Spirit isn't in the way that I father Noah, then he, he's, he, he could possibly grow up resenting God. Because I'm one way in front of people, in another way behind closed doors. And he'll see the way I am behind closed doors. If the Holy Spirit isn't operating in that, I won't know how to discipline him. I won't be consistent with him. 
if the Holy Spirit isn't operating in the way that I'm a husband, man, my wife is gonna she's gonna she's gonna grow old with insecurity. She's gonna she's not gonna feel safe like she should. I won't be able to give my life as Christ would give His life for the church for, for my wife. If the Holy Spirit isn't operating in that, if the Holy Spirit isn't isn't operating in the way that I minister to the guys at 19 North, I'm gonna leave them spiritually bankrupt and I'm gonna fail morally. If the Holy Spirit isn't operant in the way that I, that I even with my sister, uh, my, uh, I know a lot of uh, everybody won't have context. I'm, I've been believing God for my sister for 10 years now. And my sister is just so hurt and so broken in so many ways. And man, God had just recently brought her back in our lives. I hadn't talked, I talked to her one time or two times last year. I'd seen her one time in five years. And she came, she, she just said, all of a sudden, just this light bulb is clicking on with her. She's not living for God yet, but something's happening. God's doing something in her life. And, and man, it's, it's unbelievable. But if the, if the Holy Spirit isn't operating in the way that I, that, that I draw boundaries with my sister, because what I do for a living and what my sister does for a living are exactly opposite. And that's about as far as I can go with that one without painting a, a horrible picture, okay? She doesn't think that it's possible for me to love her. She doesn't think it's possible because she knows what she does. And, and like I said earlier, we all have a tendency to believe that God thinks about us the way we think about ourselves. And so if we have no confidence, if we think that we're worth nothing, then we think that we're worth nothing to God. But the exact opposite is true. I love the scripture in 1 Samuel, I think, 1 Samuel 16, where it says, uh, God doesn't look at man. God doesn't see the way man sees, but God looks at the heart. That's the exact opposite of what, what a lot of us think. If my sister doesn't see that, that I see her heart, then man... She may, she may grow old and never know God. That is, that is weighty to me. What about you? What about, what, about, what about your interactions? I want us to feel this weight because if Jesus put so much emphasis on the ministry of the Holy Spirit in his, in his last days, I think we need to as well. I think we need to understand the gravity of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. So I began to go on this question. God, is the Holy Spirit really active in my life? Because if I can be honest with you, I can fake it. I, I'm around pastors all day. I know what they talk about. I know how they act. I can close my eyes and lift up my hands and fake it. I can, I can fake a word of knowledge. I can fake that if I wanted to. People have done it in the past. You may have seen people do it in the past. Not here. <laughs> just, just qualifying. I, I don't believe that happens here at all. At all. But I can fake it. I can fake my walk with God. I can fake the activity of the Holy Spirit in my life. And, and I just came to this understanding of it over the last week of wow am i faking it at all i think it's okay to ask that paul came to the end of his life and he said listen i i didn't disqualify i i didn't disqualify myself this this race that i i I raced it wasn't in vain i finished my course paul talked about that's what i want to be like and and it's okay to ask some open questions about ourselves and stretch ourselves am i faking in any area so i began to ask god god where do i even go to find out if the Holy Spirit is really active in my life. Where do I even go? And, and let's open up to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. Because this, this, uh, the book of Acts is the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. This is where, the, where we know that we know that we know that we know that the Holy Spirit is active and alive. At the end of John, John uh, Jesus prays for all of his apostles. He breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. You remember that? They also talk about the difference between... A breeze and a rushing mighty, rushing mighty wind. Remember Jesus talking about that. There's two parts of the Holy Spirit. This part is that, is that breeze. This part is like that water fountain. 
And, and in the beginning of Acts, you just see that rushing mighty wind come in, the, that, that spring that just keeps on going. Out of, his, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. A spring versus a river. Jesus talked about those things. We don't have time to go into that. We know that the Holy Spirit's active. You know how we know that the Holy Spirit's active? Let's just take this into a natural here. Peter said some pretty dumb things, right? People looked at Peter and they said, I can tell that this man is uneducated. They looked at him and saw that. You remember, <laughs> I think it's, I, I always think this, this account's really, it's just hilarious to me that uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, the glory of God shows up. And, and, and they, <laughs> they're standing up there and Peter just goes, hey, I'm going to build some tents. Like, where did that come from? Like, what, are, you, are you thinking, like, what, what's going on here? You know, Peter just wasn't, he just didn't say the, you know, the, the most intelligent things. Uh, but all of a sudden, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit falls, when all the believers start, start praising God in other tongues, when they start speaking, and, and, and everybody's looking at them saying, these guys are absolutely insane, they're crazy. It's, it's 9 o'clock in the morning, and they're drunk. They're, they're absolutely drunk. Peter said, listen, no, we're not drunk here. I'll tell you what this is. And he begins to, cha- to, to, to quote this entire chapter of Joel. You guys remember that? He quotes, do you ever think, do you ever step back and think, this was the same guy that looked at Jesus and Moses and, on the Mount of Transfiguration and said, I'm going to build some tents for you. Do you ever think about that? Like, wait a second, where is this whole chapter coming from? It's coming from the Holy Spirit, Right. God gave him revelation in that moment. Seriously, think about this. This is the first time that we see the the we see redemption really introduced. It, Jesus didn't talk much about the, the idea of redemption. He didn't talk much about that. But Paul had just on the spot this revelation from God because the Holy Spirit was alive. The Holy Spirit was active in his life. In that moment, the Holy Spirit was active. So it goes up and talks about Jesus, er, 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 Peter's talking to, to all of these people. And 3,000 people, the very first sermon that, that Peter ever preached, 3,000 people gave their hearts to the Lord. For an uneducated man, somebody that is known for saying things that just aren't that intelligent, to stand up and give a message and 3,000 people give their hearts to the Lord, you have to know that the Holy Spirit's active. And so Luke, when he's writing this, wants to point, and, and a lot of people call the book of Acts the, the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit. People, people refer to it as that because it's a dispensation of the Holy Spirit. This is when ministry of the Holy Spirit just, boom, just comes alive. And so we understand this is the start of it. We understand that the Holy Spirit is operant in this time. And, and Luke actually, he pulls back in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 pulls back, and I thought, I thought this was pretty interesting, because all around this, it's just talking about ministry. He just, takes a, he just takes a step back. He begins to point out some things in the life of the believers. In verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. We know that the Holy Spirit's active in their lives. If the Holy Spirit's active in our lives, we're going to have devotion to the teaching of the apostles. It means we're going to fall in love with this thing. It's not going to be something that we, that we fake. We can, we, can, we can fake it for a short period of time. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, Paul addresses a man that had been sleeping with his stepmother in that church, and he was writing to a church. We can fake devotion to the apostles' teaching, but only for a short time. God talks about what's in the silent, is going to, what's, what's in the quiet is going to be brought to light. What's, what's in the dark is going to be brought to light. We could, we could fake it for a short time. So I've been asking myself, 
am I devoted to this? Am I devoted to this? Do I, do I read this thing and it's just, it's just another duty? Or is words on these pages alive to me? Are they alive to me? And again, I'm not, if they're not, I don't want anybody to walk away here feeling condemned. I want to stretch you, though. <laughs> I want to. Are the words on these pages alive? When I open this up, are they just jumping off? If they're not, then man, I've got to get the Holy Spirit in on this. Because where the Holy Spirit is active, the grace of God is unstoppable. Okay? So, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What are you listening to? What are you putting in your heart? What are the things that we're reading? Man, have you guys like... Anybody ever hear of E.W. Kenyon? I, I, seriously, I love E.W. Kenyon. There's a ton of stuff in the bookstore of him. I can't get enough E.W. Kenyon right now because that guy had first-hand revelation from God. I don't want to fake it, and I don't want to have second-hand revelation of God. I'm not going to settle for E.W. Kenyon's revelation, though that's going to help me a great deal. But I'm going to learn on my own as well. I'm going to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. I'm going to do this. And you can too. And to the fellowship. Look, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread. Can I just submit something to you? That when, when the Holy Spirit's active in our lives, we won't be isolated. We will have some good friends to talk to. We'll have some good accountability in our life. We'll have people to share the good, bad, and the ugly with. And if we don't, we've got, we've got to open ourselves up for that. That's, that's one of the biggest purposes of church that I can see. Of surrounding yourself with people of like faith and sharing your life with them, the good, bad, and the ugly. See, good accountability isn't just sharing and complaining. Good accountability is, how did you get out of this? My accountability partners are much, much, much older than me. Because I want to look up to those, those guys. Like, seriously, I, I want to know how they got out of this rut. Or I want to know how they got past this issue in their life. I don't want to just get around and complain. What worked for you? There can be meaningful relations. When the Holy Spirit's active in our lives, we're not going to be isolated. We're not going to be all alone. Okay? And so if, and that's where we've got to make a change. Because we've got to come in line with the grace of God on that. We've got to come in line with the Holy Spirit. And we've got to say, man, if I'm isolated right now, I've got to open myself up to some good relationships. You know, some of my best friends, to be honest with you, outside of the ministry, and that is so healthy. (laughs) Because when I'm around people from the church, the only thing they want to talk about is the church, and I just want to disconnect. I want to talk about God. I I really do, and I want people that will stretch me. But sometimes it's just really good to not talk about church at all. You know, it's just really refreshing. Barnabas was, was that refreshing person. You see in Jude that the saints were refreshed. By, man, are people refreshed when they come into your presence? Do you have meaningful relationships where the Holy Spirit is active? We're not going to be isolated. And to prayers. And I, I look at this so that they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. When I look at this, this idea of prayer, I want to just ask us a question. Is this a religious obligation to us? Oh, man, I've been there. I've been there where I think that I'm, I, I'm spiritual because I pray a prayer over and over. And you know what? The Ephesians prayers are awesome, but we can make that a religious thing too, right? Man, the prayers in, in Colossians and Philippians, we pray them over our lives, and we can make that, we can make that a religious obligation too. Jesus, you remember, you remember Jesus addressing this? What did he say? He said, don't pray like the Gentiles do. And making vain repetitions, thinking for their many words are going to be heard. He said, in, in, in this manner we should pray. Our Father who's in heaven. He's giving us an outline, not, 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The kingdom come, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us today. I did that, and it didn't work. <laughs> it, honestly, guys, it didn't work. God wants our prayer life to be alive. Or man, we're we're conversing. Do you do you understand the latitude of that, or the levity of that? That when we are talking to God, we're talking straight to God. Like you can share the good, bad, the ugly with God, and just say, God, wow, I don't like this right now. Can you help me with that? And you know what? He cares. <laughs> our prayer lives can be actually alive. And if the Holy Spirit is involved in our prayer life, our prayer life is going to be alive. It's going to be kicking, baby. It's going to be going for it. You know, it's going to be. Man, I'm feeling pumped up and refreshed when I get out when I get out of my prayer time. In Ephesians chapter six and verse eighteen, it, it pulls up a. It, it sets a pretty high bar. It says at all times in all manners. It says to pray in the Spirit at all times. Basically, that's that's what it's pulling back. I don't have time to go there. I was like, man, i got to pray at all times. No, it's just constant communion with the Father, constantly talking, constantly bouncing things off of Him, constantly saying, God, can you give me some ideas for this? God, what do you think about this? God, where do you want, where do you want this to go? God, what is hindering this from happening in my life? Talking to God and having that open prayer, that's when the Holy Spirit is active. And we're going to have openness with God. Going on uh, in verse 43, it says, And awe came upon every soul. Where the Holy Spirit is active, we're going to have an awe for God. We're going to look at Him and we're going to see how big God is. And we're going to have so much respect and so much reverence for Him. I want that. more. Oh, man, I want that. I want, when, man, when we're in worship, I want to see the bigness of God. I just want to see, God, how, how huge you are. And realize, God is huge. Our problems, man, it's either we serve a big God and have small problems, or we serve a small God and have, big, and have big problems. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's just, come on, we serve a huge God, and our, our problems are like this. And when we have the Holy Spirit active in our lives, man, we're going to come, we're going we're gonna to have an awe for God. We're going to have a fear, a reverence of God, just realizing how big God is. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. When the Holy Spirit's active in our lives, we can't fake this thing called generosity. We can't fake it. Acts chapter 5 and verse 4, we can see uh, Ananias and Sapphira, they tried to fake it. And they died. (laughs) They they were no longer. (laughs) Come on. When we we see, man, this this should be stretching us. We're going to be generous in all aspects of our lives. We're not going to leave a two. We're not going to leave a track as a tip for a waitress. Nobody has ever come to Jesus because we've left the track as a tip. Okay, nobody has ever come to get, leave them a hundred dollar bill and then it's, then then write them a personal note. Dude, they're going to. Th- God is good, <laughs> you know. I got I got to move on. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And look, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Man, this is, this is setting the bar high. It's the same when the Holy Spirit is active in our lives in these areas. People are going to see it. And they're going to give their lives to Jesus. And that's what I want. Man, that's what I want. I want to live my life where the Holy Spirit is so active that Noah sees the Holy Spirit in my life and says, I want to serve. I want to serve your God. I want to see the goodness. I want Noah to see the goodness of God in me so strong that he chooses to serve the God that I serve. Yeah. I want that with my wife. I want Lauren to always see the goodness of God in my life. I want to choose to serve. I want to choose to serve God no matter what circumstance. And now she does. 
But I want I want to stretch her in that. Man, I let if I could just pray for everyone and uh man, let's let's leave here not condemned but stretched, you know. Let's take these, let's chew on them and, and really ask these questions of ourselves. Is the Holy Spirit alive and active in our life? God, thank you so much for and the opportunity to be here. God, thank you for <laughs> for putting humble people here that, that can listen to a twenty six year old. <laughs> God, thank you so much for these guys. They're such an encourager they're such an encouraging bunch. God, thank you that your Holy Spirit can be active in every area of our lives. Father, we love you, and man, we are just so honored to be, to be a part of your kingdom. God, you are everything to us, and God, I pray that you continue to stretch us and mold us, and, and, and God, continue to show us areas where the Holy Spirit is or is not active. God, because we know where the grace of God, where the Holy Spirit is at work, the grace of God is unstoppable. We're going to come along. We're going to come alongside of that God and live our lives that please you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.